0: better place to start than number five. Deshaun Hamilton, congratulations. All-time leading receiver in Penn State history. You also just freaking balled out yesterday. I mean, we can get into the history in its place alongside Deion Butler, Allen Robinson, but you have nine catches, team 122 yards, and three touchdowns, your first multi-touchdown
1: game. I mean, you just had yourself a day. Yeah, I was going through the photos yesterday, and Deshaun Hamilton's second touchdown popped up, and I thought it was, you know, a push-off, and it probably was, but if you looked at the Touchdown grab! The dude had his hand inside Hamilton's face mask when he came down with it. So, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. But yeah, it's it's great to see Hammy. I mean, just uh, step up. Obviously, redemption is a big part of the college football uh, storyline. And uh, he did not have the best year last year. I think James Franklin said it in the post game that you know he started off hot and then he, he he backed down and but he handled it the right way. And right. know we're seeing the the benefit of that. Penn State's all time leading receiver now. Three touchdowns for him. So yeah, I mean it's. Uh, it, it, it's a great way to uh, cap what was a 45-14 win, but probably not as pretty as a 45-14 win could have been, especially after 20, 28 first quarter points.
0: Right. Penn State moves on to 5-0, and as you said, 45-14 to when all was said and tackled from Beaver Stadium. Uh, they're more than halfway through their home schedule, which blew my mind walking out of Beaver Stadium late last night after filing all that we have up on the site. But yeah, Deshaun Hamilton, big day. And I like that the storyline, at least from him before we move on, has shifted from, you know, this is no longer redemption because 'cause we were talking about that at the Big Ten Championship game. He leads the team in receptions, big spot, comes up on so many drives and now it's getting over Pitt. You know, Pitt is so far in the mirror of your mirror where you look at this game and we both, you know, hesitated almost to pick him as our game MVPs on Saturday. Neither of us pulled the trigger, but you saw the signs leading up to it because we're at practice
1: Wednesday. He caught, I, I want to say, four touchdowns in the 10 minutes we were there, right? Yeah, yeah. We wussed we out, no doubt, because uh, I know you were <laughs> about to pick him. I was definitely about to pick him. Barkley's such a layup, though, man. It's just like if you I don't know. pick him, you feel sort of split. And you, you had your picks in before I did, and you went with Mike Dosicki, who I actually liked as a pick c- considering the matchups with Indiana. But, Yeah. Hamilton is a guy that uh, I said last week on the podcast was going to have a big week, and he came through—you uh, know, far beyond what I expected. I mean, you expect one touchdown, maybe two, and he came through crazy. And the third one uh, from Saquon Barkley, yeah. Now you mentioned forty-five to fourteen. You know, on
0: the surface, great big win, convincing, all that. Very different from what we saw yesterday. But before we dive into the negative, because I quote tweeted and called out someone who was upset with the inconsistent offense and in quarterbacking after that win and said, listen, your team just won by a boatload. You should be happy, relax, and enjoy your Saturday. Um, in the big picture, this was exactly what Penn State needed, and here's why. Saquon Barkley is limited to a degree, but the only highlights you saw last night— if you were re-watching this game or yesterday, were A, Barkley's 98-yard opening kickoff return for a touchdown. Ridiculous. Secondly, the... One handed catch and 36 yard catch and run. Also ridiculous. And then lastly, his passing touchdown. So the Heisman campaign's fine. Everyone still loves Barkley. You won by a boatload. Special teams were spectacular outside of the field goal unit. The defense, as I wrote post game, is, you know, from a pass defense perspective, on its way to an elite level and has really, really done well through five games. So, you know, when you're the committee looking at this game, 45 14 over an Indiana team that will definitely be in the conversation for, for another bowl game under Tom Allen, you know, this is a good win. You know,
1: you dive a little bit deeper, things are different, but on on the surface... All good. Yeah, solid Indiana team that could give Penn State trouble, but the way that Penn State started the game, this was never in doubt. So. And their injuries too. Marcelino Ball was down. Yeah, they, A'shaun Riggins, like twelve guys got hurt yesterday. So or Saturday. So, um, so that they definitely had their issues, but Penn State responded well, started fast, and that's what they needed to do. Especially, you know, he, he, you saw Trace was not on his game once again yesterday. That's that's a just start. Yeah, that's that's something that he adjusted to, and I think played fairly well down the stretch. Um, um, a lot of the questions we've got, of course, are about the offensive line, uh, receivers getting separation, things like that, but still put up 45 points. I mean, they're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big picture, good win. Now, we are not here on the podcast for all optics
0: or surface stuff. We like to dive a little bit deeper, and we know you appreciate that. So, moving on underneath the surface. This is a 28 to nothing game of the first quarter. Penn State then does not score for 27 minutes until the very end of the third when Deshaun Hamilton pops up again. The reason for that, you know, I have – Dived into for my tail of tape. I, I'm going to explain it more there because you need a lot more visual to understand exactly what happened on the offensive line. You can find that up on the site. But but overall, Indiana did exactly what we said it would. They slanted a lot, put a lot of pressure, a lot of man to man coverage on the outside, and Penn State really didn't have an answer over that 27 minute stretch. Now defensively, again, you know they did their part. Uh, the two touchdowns that Indiana did have were part of long drives. You know, 60 and then 80 yard series that only took up two minutes a piece. But when you only allow those two drives and shut a team out for three quarters, it's a good day. And the other part of that, too, I, I forgot to mention the missed field goals
1: yeah the field goal unit uh, Franklin said it was unacceptable I I agree Uh, Tyler Davis has been fantastic during his time at Penn State I'm not sure if it's a a new snapper problem the holder problem or whatnot but that's something they got to get fixed and you know Franklin was quick to uh, jump on that and mention that that's that's probably one of the top priorities in practice this week and next other part Mike Siki getting hurt in the second quarter You know
0: they've got three weeks until Michigan with a bye week and a game at Northwestern on Saturday. This isn't to say he won't play on Saturday, but when you look like kind of a rib or perhaps chest injury, he needed some help walking off the field. It wasn't just simply the wind got knocked out of him because he didn't see any time in the second half. And
1: again, this is twenty-eight to fourteen at half. It wasn't twenty-eight to nothing, and they were struggling offensively. So you're going to need him yeah you're absolutely going to need him. You saw him on the sideline. Uh, they had him down uh, coming out of stances, doing some jogging and stuff like that and it's obviously he, he obviously he was in discomfort, so took him to the medical tent didn 't see him in the second half of the game. uh No report on that injury yet. Uh, I know you 're listening for it, but um it's one of those things where the drop off I think is significant. John Holland was in yesterday didn 't do much. Tom Pankos behind him of course we haven 't seen Nick Bowers to date this year, so you know, he did warm up yesterday. He did warm up. He for everyone following for my he weekly was, pregame tweet <laughs> of where is Nick Bowers, he was finally there. He was not out for the season. Um, so that's oh, good to God. see. Um, so, yeah, I think um, the, the tight end position is concerning. You know, there's nobody close to, to Mike Gesicki on this roster. And, uh, you know, y- you can switch up personnel. You can maybe throw the Tommy Stevens package back in there, which they did not do, surprisingly, um, against Indiana. Um, but, yeah, that, that's going to be an issue along with the field goal unit that, that needs to be addressed. Right. So nothing new there. We'll
0: find out as we go along. Interesting to note, you know, again, you saw this in the offensive snap counts that I posted on Sunday morning, were that John Holland jumped in immediately, two series, and then was basically yanked almost for the rest of the game. So they were not happy with how he performed, in my mind, over those possessions. And I think it was more from a blocking perspective. Tom Pankos comes in, and by the end of the game, each of them have 20 snaps. So, again, we'll see how that fixes itself moving forward Gasicki very well may be
1: back Saturday but nonetheless you do have the bye week afterward and then a week of preparation for Michigan and it's tough to come in cold like that because when when Gasicki plays what 90 90 percent 95 percent of the snaps like yeah, about last 90. year yeah I mean that, that that's tough to come into that situation so maybe with a little bit more preparation they'll be okay but yeah that's definitely a, a, an issue for them so last point on 45-14, to 14,
0: again, a big win. What you needed to get out of this game, especially against a Big Ten team, um, my thing is now through five games, which it sounds so crazy to say this September just ended, the identity of this team is pretty much set. They haven't truly you know, been tested, but you feel it's a battle-tested group. You know, from their experience at Iowa, from the fact that you know you go through these blowouts and there's all the opportunity in the world to lose focus. You know, know, Pitt was a game where you had to keep your energy down and really, um, not not down, but, but but lock in essentially. And now with this game against Indiana, which posed different challenges, you know they know at this point they can rely on their defense. Offense or special teams to step up when one of the other phases falters. The O-line is still a weakness. I don't like to say I told you so, but I bleeping told you so. And and the pass defense is as aggressive. You know, as advertised, as we were heard all throughout the offseason, they've proven that they're going to be able to get in and knock more balls. around. Pace to have more than 20 extra pass deflections than they did a year
1: ago. Yeah, and if you will repeat yourself, you're going to answer the offensive line questions on the tail of the tape. Right. The ones that I want to get into, the special teams, aside from the field goal unit, nearly flawless on Saturday. Oh, spectacular. The coverage teams were great. Irvin Charles, who has had his the lion's share of mistakes in terms of holding penalties and, and just uh, crazy plays uh, on special teams. Uh, he made a big play with the, the forced fumble early in the game. Uh, turned, in, I believe it turned into some points. Um, so, yeah, I think the coverage teams were great. And the secondary, uh, we saw that uh, Simi Cobbs and Ian Thomas, no catches in the second half, as yep. you wrote yesterday. Uh, that's phenomenal cuz those are t- are two pretty good players so that that secondary has really stepped up um you know they're they're forcing turnovers Marcus Allen had another forced fumble yesterday Amani Oriware with a with a nice pick yesterday nice jump on the ball it mm-hmm. wasn't a perfectly thrown ball but you know got there and and got to the football so that secondary really becoming the strength of that uh, defense all right game balls who you got Tammy. No, no question in my mind. Three touchdowns. uh, Absolutely necessary. And and he went up and made plays. I mean, we see Deshaun Hamilton as a possession receiver um, because of what he's done in the past in terms of taking those five yard completions, turning them into 10 and 12 yard gains, moving the sticks and things like that. He went up and got a couple passes. I mentioned the second touchdown, uh, you know, where he had the the hand in his face mask. Uh, So he went up and made some plays yesterday, some, some big time catches. So he's my player of the game. Of course, Barkley with uh, what two hundred and five all-purpose yards? His uh, second lowest turnout of the year, which is crazy to think. I think he's uh, one thousand two hundred and eighteen all-purpose yards, and that doesn't even include the passing uh, touchdown. Yes, the p- passing right. yardage, which is so strange—they don't include that in the <laughs> all-purpose yards. All-purpose and total is, offense is passing, not starters. purposeful. Like well, what, you, you made that decision? You mentioned it in the past that all-purpose yards are kind of of a misnomer, considering the uh, return yards factored in. Then I mean, you have ninety-eight right off the bat. That's <laughs> A, it's a pretty good boost to your your overall numbers. So, yeah, I think he stays in the Heisman lead right now. Um, you know, a, a couple other guys have taken a step back. We saw Sam Darnold the other night was just Oof. not very good. So um, if you can chip away those contenders one by one and, and keep with the uh, the 200-level uh, uh, all-purpose yards and keep scoring touchdowns, I think it will be all right for the, uh,
0: for the ceremony in New York. And, of course, that being said, their biggest tests are still yet to come after Northwestern, Ohio State-Michigan back-to-back, which everyone's known, and some tougher defenses down the line. But, you know, right now I'd agree through one month of the season, Barkley's got a slight lead on the rest of the competition. Again, it goes back to 45-14 to 14 wasn't what you would want necessarily from that kind of score expected. But in terms of the big picture, Penn State got it done.
1: Well, um, you, t- you take 45-14, but after watching them put up 28 in the first quarter, it, it, there's certainly holes there. There's certainly places that they have um, spots to improve your player of the game. Um Trace McSorley. I'm gonna
0: go in a little different direction here and I think it's more Twitter's gonna hate you. <laughs> that's that's fine. That's that's what Twitter's for. Uh, but it's basically this. In the second half, he was outstanding. And it was not only just from a statistical perspective where he's 11-16 to 16 with a touchdown, and then he's got almost 200 yards passing. But just in the face of all that pressure, he was able to come through, put the offense back together late, and they overcame you know, a missed field goal here, some incompletions there, and he really rebounded from what was a difficult first half dealing with Indiana's pressure. So i got to give him a lot of credit. You know, they couldn't get it going in the ground, whether it was him or Barkley. Barkley's longest run was eight yards. You know, I don't crazy. want to keep repeating the same topics we've already covered. But, of course, Trace was not able to do it. Tigre Scales played out of his mind for Indiana, All-American linebacker, as we told you on uh, last Friday's episode. But for what he did in that second
1: half to bring that offense back, in the face of all that pressure, uh, he gets my game ball. Yeah, had to make those decisions a little bit quicker. Indiana's played Penn State uh, defensively as well as anybody has, uh, really, in the last two years. So, uh, tip your hat to, to Indiana, even though even though it's two different staffs. I mean, they had the blueprint, and you know that, that might impact Penn State moving forward. You, you see teams, uh, you know, with better personnel on defense. Of course, you mentioned Ohio State, Michigan coming up on that schedule. Uh, it's going to be a tough one for Penn State. Uh, it, it, that tape can can really do a lot for them. I
0: think it can. And I I think the other part to take away from that is that you know you can only do so much um, new game planning because you've got to stick within the structure and the framework of your own system and your own players' talents. Like this was a, an entirely different game plan that we saw from the Iowa game where they sat back, played a lot of soft quarters coverage, and then blitzed here and there. Indiana, this was constant pressure, and that's kind of what they do. Michigan is an aggressive man coverage defense. Ohio State's aggressive, but again, it's more zone based, so they'll see a different parts. But I think it's it's unique. For this game, in that it happened earlier in the year, whereas last year's Indiana game, the first time Barkley really got shut down. Was much later, so there wasn't a lot of time or, or more opponents to be able to look back at it, take what they liked, what they wanted to do, and and apply it to their own game plan.
1: And speaking of one year ago uh, from today, as we're recording, was the Minnesota game. I mean, that's it, it's so far. It seems so far removed from that, especially with the success Penn State had after that. But yeah, just what a difference a year makes, man. We're we're, we're, we're sitting here, we're talking Penn State's five and zero, and that zero is the most important stat they could put up when you're talking about uh, competing for the college football playoff because you know, uh, a lot of teams, and you saw USC the other night go down to Washington State. I mean, a lot of teams are not getting that zero as as uh, consistently as they would hope, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that might end up being a really good loss for them as an aside. Like, Darnold
0: has to play better, but, you know, with the way Washington State's playing and, it, and it's at their place, I, I think if USC wins out, they're probably still in the conversation. So it, that and one in the last column isn't, you know, so much a death sentence, but— it, it it's still something you got to rebound for because, of course, now you look at Penn State. Their wins haven't been that impressive over the last couple of weeks. But they've stayed in the top four because, again, you just look at the big picture, you know, record – margin of victory and you go yeah they,
1: they deserve it yeah and, and people will not be remembering that Penn State went 27 minutes without scoring against Indiana in yes. December so that's I what think, we're here for to bring you down yeah definitely <laughs> definitely we're the buzzkill
0: guys um, but, good news 60 plus recruits I heard Ron on hand and you are reporting
1: all of them committed instantly I yeah we'll go with that um better recruiting weekend than you would think and and I don't want to take anything away from Indiana but obviously the schedule comes out and you see who's there and Indiana's not the most attractive opponent but a 330 kick helps what matters the most for, for these recruiting visits is the pregame, the the, uh, the atmosphere right before the game, and then the atmosphere at the start of the game. Which is why when you look at, uh, say, Virginia Tech this week, uh, obviously Clemson, much better team, went in there and outclassed them in Blacksburg. Tremendous um, atmosphere right before the game. Uh, they came out uh, loaded day, up, ready to go, everything. all that kind of stuff. So that's going to help Virginia Tech. Penn State, to a smaller degree, I mean, the, the, the game was good. The first quarter was great. I mean, it was loud in there. They were ready to go. You you, you blow the roof off the place on the opening kickoff and, and, and go from there. So, um, it, very positive weekend. A lot of 2019 guys. Uh, that we mentioned on the podcast last week. Uh, We'll get into a couple of them. Will Putnam, uh, offensive lineman, top 100 kid from Florida, came up uh, not with Judge Culpepper, but he's a teammate of Judge Culpepper who was also here this weekend. So for him to come on his own I think is a big deal. He was back in March. Uh, He he visited back in March. He's originally from Illinois, moved to Florida for his senior year. He says Penn State's legitimately in the mix. He told uh, 24-7 Sports Steve Wilfong that last night after the game. So two visits, from one from Illinois, one from Florida, that's that's a lot of ching to, to, to go if you're yes. not interested in a place. So Penn State uh, positioning themselves in the mix with schools like Ohio State. Michigan will be in there. And then some Florida schools will get in there, southern schools as well. So – Uh, Will Putnam's a guy that you know we're not watching for a decision anytime soon, but Penn State making a positive impression, expanding that footprint nationally as well. So, um, speaking of the footprint, Caden Wallace, um, firmly in Penn State's footprint in in Princeton, New Jersey. Former teammate of Fred Hansard, this is a guy, and 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 I feel I was talking to you um, before the podcast about this. This is a guy we're watching every time he gets on campus, right? Because I feel like he's going to end up in Penn State's class regardless. Not the same level as a Keaton Ellis, maybe you know he's got some different things working for him. Ellis, of course, right in state college that pull is obvious, um, but but Wallace has a you know a better offer list, more to check out. And it's he's as a 2019 kid, he should be going out and seeing these these schools. So I figure when he does his due diligence, he goes out and sees these other schools, um, checks them out for a game. I think he's going to circle back around, and Penn State's going to be right there. So. Getting him back on the campus, and he's a phenomenal offensive line prospect, Mm -hmm. getting him back on the campus, I I, I think is huge for Penn State, and they'd like to get him back for another game this year. So um, those are two guys to look at on the offensive line. Uh, A third one, Zach Carpenter, a teammate of Aeneas Hawkins out in uh, Archbishop Moeller in Cincinnati. Um, doesn't have an offer yet. Potential offer: I mean, six four three fifteen three twenty. So he's probably more of an interior prospect right now. He's, he looks good on tape, um, but you know we'll see if an offer comes his way. A couple of guys from St. John's College were up this weekend. Keelan Robinson's a running back that could could very well end up in the class, and it's a class that I think Penn State uh, moves and takes two running backs with with Barkley. Obviously, is going to leave, and mm-hmm. they're a little short on numbers there um, because of that. So. Keelan Robinson's a guy in there. Lewis Sign, Um he, he just actually just messaged me as we're doing this podcast. Another good visit for him. Um you know, I think Penn State given where he's at in Massachusetts, you know, sort of has that that uh inside track. Michigan has done a phenomenal job with uh with Don Brown as as you love. Mm-hmm. Um they have done a phenomenal job hitting Connecticut, Massachusetts. Right. So, Brown with so many Northeastern yeah, roots, but all those Penn time. State at least you're still in driving distance. Yeah, I think and, and I think that's a big deal for him. So um getting him to campus. He's the, I think the number 54 player in the 24 seven sports composite in the, in the class of 2019. And I believe he's the number 36 player in in our rankings at 24 seven sports. So big time safety, big kid can move. Um, and and then John Mechie, um, showed up for his second game in a row. Um, that was kind of a surprise to me and actually a surprise to everybody. So getting him back on campus, he's a receiver that, that earned an offer over the summer, um, at camp. They like him a lot. Uh, we'll see where Penn state goes and how many, receivers they can take in a smaller 2019 class. But Mechie's the guy that's shown up on campus a few times. Uh, He's Canadian kid, so he's got some ties with Jesse Lukita and guys like that. So um, getting him back on campus is also good. And then another Barkley. This was the thing that uh, people oh, took my away. Yeah, this, this is the thing that people took away from uh, from uh, our, our story and our gallery on, on site. Ali Barkley, 2020 running back from Whitehall. Yes, he is uh, the little brother. Um, uh, Sa- Saquon, I think, says he's going to be as good or better than him. I, I don't quite see it yet. But hey, man, your last name is Barkley. You got my attention. It's so. a very good older brother thing to say. Yeah, that's a, that's an eye catcher right there. So um, it, yeah, so I, I don't know where he'll be in two years. Like I mentioned, he's a 2020 prospect. Uh, he's I don't I don't even think he's the feature running back for Whitehall right now. So, um, but yeah, it's it's just fun to see these guys come through. I think uh, Saeed Black little brother was on the sidelines. Uh, Samir was on the on the sidelines as a recruit as well this weekend. So, it's funny to see these families start cycling through. Uh, at, you know, during the, the James Franklin era, as they continue to, to to work their way down there. Right. Anybody else? Uh, you know what? I, you know what? I see you. You see my rundown, and I have a UConn commit here, and that's why you're going there. Obviously, you're a UConn. Well, commit. I didn't know if you wanted to cut that short. It's, you know, I, I don't have cover or have any
0: I know feelings for the program I know anymore. We
1: can't go go without your UConn. But O'Neal Robinson, a UConn commit, is good-looking player. Um, had a game on Thursday night. I think he had three, maybe four touchdowns. So, Penn State. It, it's funny to see that you know some of these guys that Penn State has grabbed in past classes. Um, you know, very late, say a Dalen Darian or or someone like that. You know, Penn State is getting a higher level of you know potential late offer kids, and I don't think they're going to offer Robinson because they're not in the spot to do that mm-hmm. with the 2018 class with the number of spots they do or don't have. Um, but just the quality of player just kind can, can sort of continues to go up. I like Robinson. I watched his tape the other day, and I think he can. I think he can move. We have him rated as a low three star. I think he's a mid three, um, maybe a little bit higher than that. So, um, so Penn State getting these guys on the campus you know some of these guys aren't going to have offers we mentioned the the, the kid from conestoga valley barbone last week yeah. um you know the scranton high has a a, a player um, who's a senior who's sort of jumped onto the radar in the last week as well they were there so you know if you can get those guys as walk-ons great but i mean these kids these kids are going to end up playing at uh, maybe low fbs programs and you know uh, more power to them right all right on to northwestern Penn State heading to Ryan Field, 11 a.m. local
0: kick. Can't say I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but it'll be noon out here on the East Coast, and this will be a game, you know, where they kind of have to bring their own juice again. They haven't had to do that the entire season. They've either been at home or in Iowa City, one of the better atmospheres you'll find anywhere in college football. It will be homecoming for Northwestern, but, you know, as you were just trying to telling me, Ryan Field almost feels like a, a hyped-up, souped-up high school field. So, you know, beyond that, when you look at the team itself, Wildcats are two and two, just coming off a thirty-three to twenty-four loss at Wisconsin. Definitely a respectable result given that, you know, how they had been before. Blew the doors off of bowling green as you'd expect, but a bad home loss to Duke, which really kind of catches your attention because I think what Duke does, you know, certain concepts offensively are similar to what Penn State want to execute, and then they lost. Uh, or they beat Nevada rather uh, in their opener, but again a closer game than most expected. Now Northwestern might be prone to slow starts in recent years. Then of course you see how they rebound. They beat Pitt in the Pinstripe Bowl, and you know no matter your feelings about Pitt, that was a very good football team last season. So it, there's not a whole lot new. They had the most returning starters in the Big Ten, but a little bit of a disappointing start, I think. If you're a
1: fan or you're, you're someone covering the team, or if you're someone that's that hyped them up all summer like we did on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, I mean definitely not as impressive. You mentioned the. Duke game that was pretty ugly actually. Um, so they've got a veteran quarterback. They've got guys that have played a lot of football there, and they've got Pat Fitzgerald, who's you know uh, who's coaching. And I believe he's two and zero against Penn State as well. So, yep. Uh, excuse me, against James Franklin as well. So um, it, it, it's always tough when you go out to Ryan Field. I mean, it's tough to get up for it. It does feel like a an ex, you know accelerated high school game. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite road trips and one of my favorite stadiums in the Big Ten, just because it's it's such a different feel than those big. Um, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State sort of stadium. So um so I, I, I like Penn State with the matchups a lot better than I did in the in the summer, but yeah, veteran quarterback can always scare you on the road in the Big Ten.
0: You mentioned that quarterback Clayton Thorson looks the part, you know, of an NFL prospect seven touchdowns five picks so far this season their big question mark like Iowa was just the lack of skill position players and they've managed to find you know a sophomore uh, on the outside they like a little bit you know junior Flynn Nagel might be a name that's familiar to if you listen to our offseason podcasts or or into Northwestern depth charts in your free time um, but the big name in terms of the passing game Garrett Dickerson they call him a super back it's really like an H back tight end Jersey kid yeah. yeah he's a guy that you're gonna need to watch a on third downs and B underneath when Thornton needs an option so he, he's a talented player a little bit difficult mismatch and we haven't gotten to their best player in the entire roster which is running back Justin Jackson another future pro very explosive running game last year despite you know a subpar offensive line that O-line came back but this season that explosion is almost gone they've only had one game with a run of 16 yards or longer which is very surprising again given the the
1: way they're built but also the opposition they've seen to date yeah that's pretty insane actually when you think about you know we, we talked about Barkley not having a carry over eight yards um which which is crazy to think about but not just no no carries over 16 yards is just, yeah, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. but Justin Jackson I still think all Big Ten back and Penn State's seen a few of them um you know wildly they saw wildly out at uh that Iowa and they've got a couple coming up uh on the schedule as well so the kid can play I mean I've seen him you've seen him do it for a couple of years now I actually thought he was a senior last year he just seems like He's been around forever. Yes. Um, But yeah, the kid can play and he's going to be an issue. Penn State's going to have to be strong up front. Um, you know, I think you look at the interior, they, they, they also played a lot of guys, um, yesterday and, and cycled those guys through. So the interior is going to have to be fresh. They're going to be holding things up. And, and I think they'll be okay. Like I said, I like the matchups a lot better than I did uh, when I was looking at them in July.
0: Right. And we'll get more into Northwestern on Friday's episode as we always do, but we'll round out with this defensively. Uh, their strengths lie with the secondary. They've got a couple of players I really, really like back there. The one you're going to hear about, not only just because he's very good, but also his name is. Godwin Igwe Bouquet. You know, he had some preseason All American recognition and, you know, second and third teams, depending on the publication, um, but really gets it done, all around player, another future pro. And their corners are strong, too. So, you know, there's not a whole lot to take from the Wisconsin tape um, because, of course, the way Wisconsin plays is so different from how Penn State approaches things. But, you know, the Duke film I'm, uh, I'm interested to get into because it'll see how they quite gash Northwestern, which is normally under Pat's Fitzgerald, very fundamentally sound, not terribly aggressive, but, you know, they're going to do what they do better than you are and particularly at home we've mentioned you know they've been they've been strong against James Franklin and Penn State in recent years. And, you know, it was 23-21 a couple of years ago, very different offense, very different circumstances. But, you know, they're they're tough, they're talented, they're, they're, they're fundamental, and that's especially true for that secondary.
1: Yeah, you know what you're going to get with a Northwestern team. Uh, Fitzgerald probably gets, you know, and I think it's probably been a cliche around the league for a while, but he gets more out of his guys than than a lot of coaches. So, And that's why he's still there. I think he's a perfect fit for Northwestern. And I, I don't know that they can't do better. Uh, but it would be very hard for them to find a better fit than Pat Fitzgerald. So um, it's going to be a solid uh, solid team across the board. Uh, plenty of questions for them going into next weekend as well. But yeah, it's, it, potential trap game absolutely but at the same time you know I think Penn State's matchups uh, look pretty good
0: other part about Pat's Fitzgerald which I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast and heard you almost call him Fat Fitzgerald is that he's huge he's a, he's a former defensive Whoa. player himself oh. it was just a slip of the tongue he could kill me yeah exactly <laughs> no, no uh, I did not call him Fat Fitzgerald very close though uh, we could rewind but we'll leave that to the good listeners at home now his counterpoint James Franklin we're going to talk to tomorrow weekly press conference uh, for those of you New to the podcast, we have a segment called Predict the Press where we like to have a little bit of fun because coaches are nothing if not creatures of habit. And each week, you know, following wins, Franklin unveils who. Penn State staff named as their offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the week. So we make a selection for each of those, and then make a separate prediction of what Franklin will say when either addressing the last game, the upcoming opponent, or anything else that might be floating around the program. Because again, you know, you hang around anyone as often, you know, as, as we see the staff and the players or each other, you just get a feel for what they tend to say and how they approach things. So. it's important to note
1: that you care about this much more than I do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, you say that now because you went three for four last week. I'm coming back. I've had two bad weeks. So now we are tied at 7 of 12 with these predictions as we've been doing this segment. So I'm in a little bit of a slump, but I think we're going to break out because the player of the week's uh, picks seem pretty obvious to me. Offense, I'm going to go with Deshaun Hamilton. I think he's going to name Jason Cabinda defensively, and then Charles, who you already talked about, forced fumble, another big tackle on a separate punt return, was all over the place Saturday. So those are my three picks for the players of the week.
1: Yeah, best game Cabinda's played to date uh, this year. Oh, yeah, 14 uh, tackles. 14 tackles. I have Hamilton as well. Um, I have Marcus Allen. Um, all right. I think he's been in the mix as well. Forced another fumble, which I believe is his third forced fumble in three games, or excuse me, his third forced turnover in three games. So he's 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 getting around the football. He's making things happen. And then I have Ir- Irv Charles who, you know, y- you've been waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. He's had just so many flags. And, you know, if there's a special teams flag, you're looking at Charles. That That's the at the point we're at. Came down, made a great hit, great play to force that fumble. Um, covered a couple other um, ones, and I think we even had a couple calls for him to move to linebacker from uh, receiver on the board. Yes. I don't know if you saw that or not. Uh, I Obviously. did. Wearing number 11 was the big point. Oh, boy. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, it's great to see that happen. And James Franklin mentioned it afterwards. His confidence – Making plays on special teams will help him as a receiver. He's always been a sort of a temperamental guy, maybe a little bit fragile up top. So for him to make those plays um, I think is really going to benefit him in the long run, and and hopefully it does. Because the kid has a ton of talent. I know you guys haven't seen it yet, but talking to people in the Penn State offices, the coaches – they think of the world of what he can be, but they know that he's not close to where he can be. So um seeing that happen and seeing that uh, sort of uh, come along in his progression, I think is is a big thing for him, and we'll see if this uh, benefits in the longer term, but it certainly really could help him
0: all right. My separate prediction, outside of the player of the week picks, I'm going to say that James touches upon how Penn State has lost the last two games in this series, and he is yet to beat Northwestern, which also goes true for anyone in that locker room um, the last couple of years. Yeah,
1: including Grant Haley, who dropped that pick, um, you know, out at, out at uh, Ryan Field a couple of weeks ago. Savage, I'm right not there. being savage. I'm just saying, of it's, all it's memories, going there going to come up. He's going to be on a conference call this week. It's going to come up, and you know, hopefully, uh, you know, as Grant does, he's going to handle it very well, but. Nice, nice rebound there. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. But my thing is Northwestern has really committed to the athletic facilities. If you follow James Franklin at all, you know, that's a huge point that he loves to hammer home that, you know, Penn State's facilities are behind right now. Um, schools like Purdue who he's mentioned several times northwestern they're building someone else has mentioned Purdue several times yes yes love Purdue potential don't love them right now but I love what they can be and I think <laughs> Brahm is the perfect guy for that I don't know if you followed that on Twitter or not but um yeah northwestern building a phenomenal facility right on the lakefront, uh, beautiful you know it's it, they had the videos and the tours and things like that it's gonna it's going to be great it shows the um, the investment that those the that northwestern And it's uh, big donors are are looking to put into that program. Um, Obviously, they've got Fitzgerald, who's going to be there for the long haul. So the investment and the, the future of that program is going to keep going up with facilities like this. And I think that's what Franklin, you know, he loves that stuff. So I think that's going to come up at some point in the presser this week. All right, well, now I
0: don't feel as good about my pick, which seemed very obvious, but there you go, and I think you're probably going to nail that one. Currently, side seven to 7-7 for Predict Depressor, and we won't know how we do until Tuesday. Uh, but for now, mailbag. People want to know three things right now, and leading off, is Micah Parsons
1: expected to visit Nebraska next week? That's the plan. I talked to his father last week. He said uh, they're still planning on going out to, New- to, excuse me, to Nebraska. Sorry, I've got Northwestern on the mind. Uh, he's not going there. Uh, Nebraska, uh, next weekend for his official visit, Uh, His second official, he already took one to Ohio State, uh, plans to take one to Penn State at some point or at least get back for another game as an unofficial. So very much up in the air right now. But, yeah, Nebraska is in there. They're showing him the love. I mean, Nebraska is sending him more edits – hitting him up more on Twitter than any other program and that's why they're in that Nebraska staff is uh, far and away w- just one of the most energetic staffs in the country and that's why you see that and they, they've had to take a more national approach they've hit California hard they've hit places uh, you know they, they offered Chris cr- Bleich pretty early um, Parsons they've been on for a while so they're, they're getting out they're seeing other places because Nebraska is obviously not a hotbed for talent so um, yes I think he goes out there has his visit and, and you know the guy that have gone to Lincoln from a national standpoint. The guys that have gone to Lincoln have really enjoyed themselves, so I think they are definitely still in the mix. Um, uh, uh, we saw some crystal balls fly their way before they they, they all came back around to Penn State. But um, while I don't see Parsons going that far away for college, I think Nebraska is certainly w- within the conversation. So you're saying yes. He is expected to visit next week.
0: Yeah, I could have said that too. We'll go with yes. (laughs) Second question. Uh, I'm curious why we didn't see the two-quarterback package when the offense was out of rhythm in the second and third quarter against Indiana. And given that it was Indiana, I thought we would see Tommy Stevens for sure. Stevens, of course, a former Indiana commit native. All that stuff. And this was something, you know, we discussed loosely and said, you know, you figured you'd see him out there because also the package has been effective for them. Didn't in 99 snaps against Iowa. My only thought about this is, you know, Indiana, as we've mentioned, a heavy man coverage, heavy – Pressure team, it would have been a different look for them. But I think when you play that style of defense, you know, and depending on the concepts you're running back there, your reads are simplified. So there's not a whole lot of pressure that you can apply on a a back seven that's really strictly focused on. Okay, I have you know this guy or that guy or, or whatever responsibility. And I think with with the defense that they play, it really wouldn't have put Penn State to an extra advantage by not deploying an outside receiver. Because again, that's how Penn State got back into this game. Well, didn't get back. Had a big lead. And then added to it late this year and last is that when they came up to stop Barkley, they just threw it over the top. Sometimes it hit, sometimes it missed. But it hit enough times to put up 45 points on Saturday and, and 42, excluding the defensive touchdown last year in Bloomington.
1: Yeah, I guess Joe Moore had James Franklin not as much for nostalgia as we are uh, expected to see Stevens uh, for a little more than the Indiana connection. But at the same time, when, when Josicki went out, he's he's been a guy that's been replaced by Stevens in the past. So I was a little right. surprised by that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the X's and O's or anything like that. That I know that's your call. But yeah, I was a little surprised by it. But you know, if that's the thing we're going to gripe about right now, then I think Penn State's in a pretty good spot. People are griping about the
0: wide receivers, which we led with Deshaun Hamilton had an outstanding day, probably his best game uh, ever as an Itne Lion. First multi-touchdown Statistically, game, yeah. Yeah, are they getting enough separation? And to me, this is a question where it, it's so important to keep in mind that not every answer has to be, you know, a, a this or that. It's not all a dichotomy because on certain plays, if it's a half second extra, you know, in protection that the offensive line provides. For Trace McSorley, he'll be able to find a receiver who has time then to separate. If they were also separate a half second earlier than they did on Saturday, then he doesn't have to linger in the pocket. So it depends on the staff. It's a mix of the two. I would not lay blame either on the protection or the separation. Again, Hamilton had nine catches for 122 yards. Other receivers had multiple catches. Kasicki was out of the game. And this is a team that's known for its kind of sticky man-to-man coverage. It's going to happen. But McSorley had more than 300 yards by the end of the day. This is a fine game. Uh, they're getting enough separation. They're certainly not getting insufficient separation, but it's something you're always going to strive for more because, again, you've got Ohio State, Michigan coming up, in two
1: in the next three games. Yeah, and even Chris Godwin wasn't a big separation guy. I mean, he was—he was a big guy to win the win the ball in the air. So I think the separation stuff is is probably a little bit overplayed. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think more of that falls on Tracy's accuracy early in the game. It was frustrating to watch at times. I mean, it just wasn't, it just wasn't there. Obviously. I don't know if that was a, a direct result of the RPO decisions or, or, or anything like that, but yeah, I think that they'll be okay. Uh, the receivers were fine. I thought, uh, Juwan Johnson, uh, you know, four catches yesterday, but I thought he looked good doing it. So, um, he did. surprisingly, <laughs> you would think I would think Juwan Johnson looked good doing it, but yeah, I think they'll, they'll be fine. He's, he's no Mike Miranda though. Did right. you see Mike Miranda
0: standing on sidelines? Woo, new haircut, everything. I did not see
1: that. I apparently don't look as closely at the sidelines as you do.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm shocked to hear that, given who we're talking about. Uh, always good-natured fun here in the podcast. But one update, Sean will not be with us when we record for Friday's episode. You are going to have fun and drink beer and take time in the middle of the season. Um I will be out at Northwestern and I will have three guests actually for a roundtable episode of the podcast while you are away on Thursday. Still working out the logistics, but I'm excited for this episode. It'll be different, uh, but I think we'll have some fun with some new perspectives and we'll still run down tweet of the week, quote of the week, three keys, two concepts, um, one prediction each. But this will be a fun episode and I hope you have more fun than we do as we record.
1: I will do my best. Headed out to Colorado again, Great American Beer Festival, third time out there. Cannot wait, but uh, you know what I can't wait for? I can't wait to to watch college football at 10 a.m. That's going to be interesting. I know we've watched some NFL uh, at 10 a.m. when we were on the West Coast for uh, for the Rose Bowl last year, but yeah, 10 a.m. Fo- college football. Is, uh, we'll see if I get up for that. You know That, uh, that Midwest mountain time start is going to be tough for me to get up for. Well, I have no choice but to get up for 11 a.m. football in the central time zone, but I'm looking forward you to it. You will be I'm- in Chicago. You will be fine.
0: I'm actually going to be in Milwaukee. Okay. Flying down, driving down to Evanston, to figured just to avoid all the Shy Town traffic, which was miserable enough during the middle of the summer for Big Ten media days. But here we are making hashtag First World media problem complaints, which is probably the biggest turnoff in the world. Because truly, it is. Um, t- it probably turned us off by now. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the end of the podcast. Everyone can tell. So let's not waste any more time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on Friday.